Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, friends and family, to another episode of the Backdoor Cut Show, a Memphis Grizzlies podcast brought to you by the Barnburner Podcast Network, which you can find on iTunes, Spotify, all those cool places. Q. Q. K-U-W-L. By subscribing to the Barnburner Podcast Network, and you can also check out all of our articles on the-barnburner.com. I am Zach. Tonight with me, I have Mason and Sam, and we're going to uh, pass around the horn, talk some Grizzlies hoops, and I think we'll probably revisit Sam's selections for the rest of the season if I uh, if I know how this will go. Uh, how are you guys doing, Sam? I'll start with you. I'm good, man. Uh, had, a, had a good day of, of relaxing in the beautiful warm weather. Memphis is slowly but surely turning spring. Had to work a little bit, unfortunately, but got a chance to walk the dog outside and it's a it's a fantastic day here in Memphis. Kind of started negatively though. We watched the Tigers lose to Houston and fully blow up their potential for a net large bid in the NCAA tournament. So now we got to win the the AAC tournament uh, to to have any chance of of making getting that automatic bid. Now I wouldn't put it past them, but at the same time we we don't shoot the ball well, we don't make free throws, and we turn the ball over at a high percentage. So the odds of us winning four straight games in four straight days is not great. I think we're a six seed, which. To my knowledge, I think you all are saying we play who we play first, uh, ECU, and then Tulsa would be the probably who we play. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, you know, I like those two matchups. I like those two games, and we'll see where we go. But other than that, good day. We'll say have uh, have a, a quick comment in the the chop it up with the chief corner uh, that I like to begin the show with, and that is people that stand up in rows in sporting events uh, and then leave and make everyone else get up. If it's like a couple, if the two of you are getting up and you're leaving, you need to make sure you come back together. You don't need to come back split. 
where you make everyone get up. Then five minutes later, your husband or your wife comes back and make everyone get up again. You gotta, you just gotta make sure you orchestrate that. Now, if one of you is gonna go get a drink and the other one's not, then the other one just needs to wait for you to get the drink. So you come back together and only make everyone get up once. Uh, it is unbelievable the, the lack of stadium etiquette that everyone has, and I think it's because Zach and I. And my tiger seats, honestly, too. I happen to sit in areas where people just don't understand how annoying it is. Uh, I myself am very aware of not getting up. Like, I'm very conscious about it. I'm very self-conscious about making people stand up. Uh, and so I, I almost – I will hold my, you know, pee for an uncomfortable amount of time. <laughs> or we'll wait until someone gets up anyway and, you know, ride their coattails out. But it's just wild out here. And honestly, like, we need to do a better job in the school system teaching this kind of etiquette. So that's that's my two cents there. Uh, I don't know if y'all have any opinions on that. Uh, you you didn't even touch on the whole like you know there's no wiggle room anyway. You can't scoot past anyone. Oh, so this you, is your if thing. You, if you yeah. like, just don't move your legs. That means I got like I got size 13 feet and I'm supposed to scoot past you. Like Humble for, brag there through uh <laughs> through like a how big your hands? Yeah, what, how big your hands, dude? Yeah. <laughs> if, if you're on the periscope of the underscore barn burner, then you can see my hand size. Yeah. Oh, he's married too, ladies. Watch out. Oh, that was a humble brag there too. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's my pet peeve is you got to make some effort. Even if it's just like moving your leg to the side, that gives me enough room. But don't just sit there and look at me like, like I'm doing something wrong because I'm in the same boat as you. I'm not going to be getting up that much because I've been – We've had seats on the end of row, and we've had seats in the middle. I'd much rather be on the end and be that person getting up and down for other people than be the person in the middle inconveniencing those around me as I have to come and go. Mm. Yeah, I've, uh, I think that we have, we'd have to agree for sure. Being on the end is definitely an advantageous spot because then you control your own destiny. You know, like you, And we're fit enough to fucking get up, whereas like certain people that are not of the <laughs> slender uh, you know, kind of situation – uh, fat people, they they fucking sit there and stare at you. And I honestly, big take, don't think they should be allowed at sporting events. Uh, I also don't think they should be. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> I, <laughs> I also don't think they should be on airplanes. Uh, I think what? I think you, I think you should have to pay extra amounts of money to sit in a designated area where the seats are large for a larger person because we all know that that you know being next to those people fucking sucks you know it, it just it sucks your experience and you can't get the armrest and it's tough so uh, you know let, let's let's do something about it and, and honestly you know I, I don't discriminate much generally but i feel like this is the last uh non-protected class you know you can hate on uh you can hate on obese people still that's allowed bald dudes <laughs> and obese people you can those are those are two select groups of people that you can hate on unabashedly and you know maybe people come after me on on twitter but you know as omar said you come at the king you best lose some weight damn larry that was some harsh ass shit mm. <laughs> okay okay <laughs> Woo. Yeah. What, what, just be polite. That's all I have to say. Just be polite and considerate. <laughs> it, it is true. It is true. I my my that is true. I think the the obese thing is when you sit next to someone and don't get up, as it is often as that's the case, or you don't shift at all, or you take up more room, you know, on horizontally than you another another person would. That is in fact not considerate. Is my take like that by just by virtue of the your size, like it's inconsiderate to everyone around you. And, and, you know, like that, just be aware of it. Just out here spreading knowledge. 
<laughs> I got a bunch of questions, but I don't think I want to ask them. <laughs> I don't know how how deep we need to dive into that. <laughs> I mean, I think you know exactly. Like, I mean, there, there's you don't have to be a psychologist to figure this out, man. Like, but uh, the facts are the facts, and so here I sit. If I ever get fat, you, you're be well. You can fucking hate on me so hard. <laughs> you can roast me unabashedly. Well, uh, <laughs> speaking of roasting unabashedly, the Grizzlies uh, Good transition. Started, started the week with back-to-back 39-point wins uh, for the first time in NBA history when they beat the snot out of the Hawks in Atlanta and then Brooklyn in Brooklyn. Um, and we were underdogs in both of those games. So that was a great start to the week. And then uh, we, we fell to Dallas, and then we beat Atlanta, of course, on Saturday night at home. Three and one on the week now, 32 and 32 on the season, sitting right at 500, still three and a half games ahead of whoever's behind us right now for the nine, nine seed. Uh, what are some of the takeaways you had this week, Zach? Uh, this week, really the hard-nosed defense, I think, was a, a really big – Really was a spotlight for the guys. So if you look at points allowed, uh, Lakers, I know that's creeping back into last week, gave up 88 points. Same to Atlanta with, you know, Rocket, Superstar, Awesome Man, Trey Young, but that the Grizzlies shut down two games in one week. And then the Nets only giving up 79 points to them. So those were three really, really good defensive games from the guys. And that's something that's really been evident since the trade deadline the defensive side has really been a focus especially with the shooting really calming down guys like dylan brooks really coming down from flying high uh, through the month of january uh, and then we rent the dallas was just crashing <laughs> yeah it it went it went down quickly uh, just the, on the, like an escalator or nothing <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't gradual no it just <laughs> it fell off. I don't know how many ways we can describe this, but we haven't been shooting what we were shooting. Sharp uh, decline, so to speak. And then the Dallas game was kind of a welcome back to reality of we we you know we are a young team and we're a young team without two of our better players and faced up against a a good team. Dallas is a good team, especially on offense with Porzingis and Luca would fire on on all cylinders. They're a really tough team to play, and they beat the snot out of us on Friday night. <laughs> but then you know the guys bounced back in Vince Carter's last game at the Forum on Saturday and showed out and you know pretty I think had the Hawks from wire to wire and that was kind of the trajectory of the week. It was mostly impressive with a small blip on Friday, but I wasn't too worried about it just because. Porzingis is a matchup nightmare. We knew that going into it. That yeah, Chief said it in the text thread. <laughs> yeah, Valanciunas. That's a nightmare for Valanciunas. He does not move his feet out of the paint on defense. On offense, he'll come out there above the break, you know, occasionally take a three. But on defense, he's not coming out of the paint at all. And he just got he got toasted when he was on Porzingis. I think he hit like four or five threes, uh, and then. Just couldn't contain him. <laughs> His ass was jumping all over the place, <laughs> yeah. trying to keep up with Porzingis. Looked like somebody just pressing a triangle on like PlayStation, like on two K. He's just jumping, like hoping and praying he touches the ball or something. Yeah, that was tough to it, watch. 
Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a lack of effort. It's just yeah. not, in his, not in his repertoire. Yeah. And, and what, what really hurt uh, is when obviously giving up those threes to Porzingis. It felt like he had so much more than his, like, 26 points that he had. It seemed like he was on pace for, like, 40. Yeah. Um, and maybe it would have if the game wouldn't have gotten out of hand. But uh, it, JV couldn't make him pay when we had the ball. Um, he, it not a real big scoring night from JV. So when you're getting torched and not making up for it on the other end, it, you, you know, if that was a playoff matchup, I think we would be questioning, should you start Gorgie or even Kyle at center against that team? Yeah. I think that would be one of those coaching adjustment type deals where you might have to throw in a wrench. Do try something out that you haven't done. Normally isn't your standard protocol, but based on the matchup, you know, could be beneficial for you. Yeah, and another thing about that game was Dylan came out jacking shots early on. He had he had like 13 points in the first quarter, but he probably had 10 or 12 shots. And I think we had a lead early until the second quarter or early into the second quarter, and then Mavs kind of went on their run. But I thought Dylan's offense to start the game, it just really got us out of a rhythm. And maybe it was everyone else's fault because they weren't, the team didn't really play with any force or any energy. Like they'd never impose our will on the game. Um, so maybe Dylan felt like he had to go ahead and be assertive right there. But I just thought that first quarter, although e- even though we had the lead, it just really set the tone for the rest of the game. Just no offensive flow. Yeah. It got me thinking that maybe that they had planned to kind of lose it. I, like that, that I mean, not to, not to say that the team would ever come out and not try, but it really did seem like they were betting on, if there was to be a back-to-back that they were going to take the Hawks game at home instead of leave it all out there during that game. Uh, and, and of course, if they end up outplaying Dallas, just like out there hooping, then, then so be it. If someone has a crazy good game and you just sort of ride that wave, that's fine too. But once they started to get blown out, they didn't just like lay down. I don't want to say that we're like some, you know, like the Hawks, for example, that are kind of a, just get the shit beat out of them quite often. And yeah. it's creating that, that Verno's dreaded non-competitive atmosphere in locker room. Um, it wasn't to that level, but I, I don't know. Maybe there's something to that. They we kind just of circled got handled. That. Yeah, that, yeah. That's we what did. I think, too. We just got handled. And then, and, the, and, and to speak to the big performance, Seth Curry was cooking us in the first half. He had 15 before he got hurt with still some time to go in the first half. So, who was uh, guarding Seth? Was it Ja? I don't, I don't remember. I think it probably was Ja. Because I imagine Dylan was guarding Luca. Yeah. And then, yeah, it probably was. Uh, so that, that may be something to monitor is uh, Ja's matchup whoever he's guarding you know I, you, you hope to hide him on someone like kind of like they do in atlanta he's not as bad a defender as trey by any means he's still long and athletic uh but you know like you, you, seth curry probably shouldn't be going off like that he's not yeah that he's, kind been of play, he's been playing play well so, yeah so. yeah yeah it's, it's been a combination of both the yeah. the thing that i listened to pete and brevin talked about during that game and, and it got me thinking and I, I haven't really done like a significant amount of thinking but i figured i'd crowdsource y'all is the um they talked about like the Dallas being a pretty long team, like a long and pretty mobile team. You know, you've got Porzingis, who's the the prototypical stretch five or whatever. They can is the unicorn, can do everything long, and can step out and shoot threes and can dribble the ball as well. Uh, and so that gave JV problems we discussed. But also, you know, through, from the one through the five, they really have length. And um, you know, you're throwing out like Josh Jackson, not Josh Jackson, Justin Jackson out there and. Uh, yeah. Just like long athletic, you know, like wing guys um, and the 
Pete and Brevin seem to hone in on that as something that the Grizzlies have issues with this year. And and so have you noticed that with other teams, kind of what's this team's Achilles heel? Obviously the Lakers, you know, like uh, Anthony Davis kills us, but he kills everybody. He's like kind of, you know, he's just really fucking good. So you can't really count him. But teams like that, I think, kind of give us problems more than the average teams. Then you would think by the opposite, you would think the Rockets, we would – do really well at once it became a track meet and like we could feed JV, he should be able to take advantage of the mismatch. Uh, cause we can when half court, we kind of play a inside out style basketball, but then they handled us too. So I, I, I kind of wonder what the, the true Achilles heel of this team is, but this week it was a tale of two, you know, it was three blowouts and a, well, four blowouts, three of which resulted in wins for us <laughs> and, you know, one that didn't. So I don't really know what to make of this week and I don't really know what we do well and what we don't. Yeah, well, it's interesting that you mentioned the Mavs' length because I went back and watched all six of Jaws' turnovers from that game, and four of them were on interior passes where they, he was trying to get it to JV or Gorgie or someone like that, and they just stole it, um, and that is due to their length. And so that is something that we struggled with against LA, too. Um, obviously, they beat, beat us by, like, 30 uh, early in the season, but – I think if this team comes out and defends and sees a couple shots go down, they can play with anyone, especially mm-hmm. when we're at home. Yeah, uh, We're still susceptible to a road ass whooping, as we saw in Dallas. And quite frankly, doubt we lose in Dallas a lot historically. It's just not a place that we've won a lot. I remember going to a game there. We got beat by worse than this uh, during the core four era. So it's just not a place that we went at a lot. But I, I don't know. That's an interesting, like, what is – uh, you know, our kryptonite and length makes sense because you can put a longer person on jaw mm. and not give up size with Dylan, you know, and Jaren's long and uh, Valanciunas kind of struggles with the lanky type of guys like Porzingis. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, length probably is our biggest, uh, you know, thing we got to look out for, figure out how to overcome. What about the, uh, I guess my follow-up question to that is if Link is really, and Link kind of hurts everybody. That's not like unique to us, but it hurts younger players, I think in particular, because that often the Link turn, turns into turnovers, you know, when you're dealing with the rookie mm-hmm. point guard. So who who of like the the Kings or the Trailblazers, the Pelicans, you know, the, the people that are creeping up on our eight seed, who of those are kind of like our, our kryptonite? And, and I know we play most of them multiple times from now on. Um, except for the Kings. We play the Pelicans and the Blazers. I, 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 I think we actually pretty good matchup with the Blazers because they don't have that length. You know, yeah. they, they start two pretty standard-sized guards uh, So, and, and who are, in fact, their best players. And then when they sub their guards, they got Anthony Simons, who's even smaller than Ja. So uh, I don't think any of them just a super-plus defender either. So I think that's might be maybe why we kind of do well again. And, and I'm trying to think Ariza, who's elderly, you know, is kind of their best defender, who they yeah. call in to to be their lockdown guy. And I mean, Yurkic not, is not a, a notable defender. Whiteside's a, a, a supposed eraser at the rim, but I mean, you know. J- I, JV can take care of him. Really. Yeah, as we've seen. So I'm I'm okay with them, which is why I think we get one on the road. But the Kings, I don't know what it is about them. And it might be that link. You got like Harrison Barnes. You got like, uh, I, I mean, I, I'm trying to even think of these rosters, but you get my point. Is that, like, I'm, Yeah. And the Pelicans just, yeah. How do you like deal with Zion? You don't. And, like uh, Drew gives us buckets, and uh, Drew's a good defender, so he probably guards Ja, and that's probably kind of part of the problem those games. Uh, but anyway, I'm just talking now. No, I agree with you that the tri- even dating back to the days when 
Lamarcus Aldridge was in Portland, and you know we had Zebo. It seemed like we always had Portland's number for whatever reason. Uh, I, Pelicans right now are probably the one that I'm worried about the most, just with people trying to figure out Zion, and I don't think we we don't have that figured out yet. Of course, we'll see him a couple more times and see how that goes. But I mean, that's just really tough. Do you force him to shoot the three because he's you know he'll nail those in your face? I don't know exactly what he's shooting, but it's a respectable amount that you can't just like totally leave him wide open. And if Sacramento is going to continue on this trajectory, that's also kind of bothersome. But you know, it, it's hard to predict because they haven't been that team over the past few years. So are they going to be able to to push through the last quarter of games? Uh, it's it's tough to say. But I think of those three, Portland scares me the least. <clears throat> yeah, Which is crazy because they have the two most established players of yeah. those of those three. But yeah, there's some, I mean something about it. I, I, and of course, it's been a down year. But what were you about to say, Slim? I mean, any one of those teams is going to have to do something that they have yet to do so far this season, and that's go like thirteen and eight to close out the season. And you know that's that's tough for these teams. They haven't they haven't won at that rate all year. That's why they where they are in the standings. You know. So I, I think the Pelicans are the biggest challenger, um, but we don't play the Kings, so we don't really have a say in that because they already beat us three three to one on the season series. So that's done with. We can't, you know, if they're winning, we can't stop it. But we do have two games against New Orleans where really in those games uh, against the Pelicans and Blazers, you just want to at least split them mm. so they don't gain two full games on you. The Pelicans beat the Timberwolves today. You know, they lost a game that they weren't supposed to uh, to the Timberwolves earlier in the week. So <clears throat> there's no sign that they're capable of making this run. You know, they have the talent, sure, and in theory, yes, but they haven't made this run yet. Uh, granted, you know, there's Zion's, what, 25 games in, but still, they haven't done it yet, and there's you're into, like, the last 18 games of the season. Dude, he's only 17 games in. How crazy! Oh, is really? Yeah, I, like uh, he's only played seventeen games. Like, which the only reason I know that is because I saw a bunch of people saying he's eight and nine, and like you know, despite everyone's best efforts, he's like he's playing great. But it's not like team's been like you know they, they don't really know how to use him yet. I think. I mean, he's basically their best player, and so yeah. to have a guy come in as a rookie that's never played before and then immediately become your best player is on, on a team of like guys that have played in the league for a while now and probably have some level of confidence and. Like I belong here, sort of deal. Uh, and Brandon Ingram's an All Star this year, you know, first time All Star. And so, they were rolling, playing through Ingram there yeah. for a minute. That's probably a best stretch. So <clears throat> if they can figure it out, they've got a chance. But I mean, they they should be the eight seed. Like if I'm like totally honest with myself, like if you shot me with True Serum, like per, pursuant to their talent, you know, like and, and the schedule, they have a favorable yeah. schedule, yeah. the easiest in the league, and we have the toughest. <laughs> so. Uh, and I think a key for us is we need Jaron Jackson Jr. back as soon as possible. Um, just and, the- you know, yeah, and Justice and um, BC as well. I think they're all kind of scheduled to come back at the same time. Uh, and I've heard this week sometime. So yeah, Berno like was saying the magic, but I don't know. Seems like they're they're being a little less optimistic about Clark. Um, they upgraded okay. they upgraded the uh, statuses yesterday, I believe, before the game and. Uh, Jaron, yeah, it seemed like he's coming back this week. Justice probably not far behind, but they said Clark will be like reevaluated again later. Mm. So, 
And then they uh, said Grayson's injury officially was a hip displacement, which that does not sound good. Uh, <laughs> just seems like a tough injury to come back from. And my wife's in the medical field and she said, you know, it's not a not a easy injury to rehab for for anyone, much less someone trying to get back to playing NBA level, which sucks because Grayson was really playing good and brought something to this team that we needed a floor spacer ability to, you know, knock down an open three and get out and play on the break. And he was playing good defense. Yeah. Yeah. I so, mean, that, that's like a, a older, older guy injury. That's like, you know, your forties and fifties and it's like, like, when did it happen? You know? Yeah. I don't know. Like that's like probably he has hit family history and of hip issues kind of deal. Like his bones rubbed together just by virtue of his body makeup. And uh, that's just, that's the reason it's uncommon is because it's probably something genetic. Look like his bones rubbed together. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, he'll, he'll so, kill you on uh, on Call of Duty, though, man. Yeah, uh, he's yeah. out there, got an insane kill rate. Um, he po- he still posts video. That's when I realized like he's like twenty three, because he's still mm-hmm. posting Twitter videos of him like like mossing fools and on COD. But you know, <laughs> yeah. like whatever, dude. I mean, I guess he can't I'll, do much if he's got a broken. Yeah, head. shit, you're right. I'll play you in Halo Three though. Uh, <laughs> I saw a Conchar and who's the other white Udoff? Udoff. Yeah, Jared Utah. Yeah, yeah. Saw them at uh, Catherine and Mary's last night. They were breaking bread after the game. Uh, I said as they walked in, and I was walking out. Said, "Nice game, fellas." And they said, "Appreciate it, bro." So we're boys as well. Uh, I've, me, Tyus, and Udahoff and Conchar. So we're just if you guys ever need anything from them, let me know. I'm glad to know you're the go-between. Yeah. So speaking of the injuries and Jaron coming back, I wanted to. Roll through some things that I found out today online in the statosphere, as I'm calling it. So since since Jaron's been out on uh, the 20, he went out on the 21st against the Lakers. So since the 22nd, the guys that have led the team in usage rate are Dylan Brooks at 28%, Josh Jackson, 25%, and John Morant at 24 and change. Uh, th- uh, their three-point percentage DB's been shooting 29 since then, so we know he's still slumping, not hitting near those numbers that he was earlier in the year. Josh Jackson, very respectable, 33%. And John Morant's been shooting 44%. And I think we saw that on display Saturday night against the Hawks. He hit three or four threes, really helps to spread the floor out, really helps himself when he's able to do that, force the guys to come out on top of the screens instead of under them. And that, I mean... If he can develop that level or that uh, aspect of his game, I assume that will be a big area of focus for him this summer. So when he comes back in the fall next year, I would expect that to probably be even more developed than it is now. And he's shooting well. He just doesn't have a super high uh, amount of attempts. His his rate is not super high, but his percentage is very respectable from three so far. Uh, boards per game since Jaron went out. JV is averaging 15 rebounds per game, and that's something that I've highlighted before is that he is he does struggle in certain matchups against stretchy fives, but even against those guys, he's cleaning up the glass. Yeah. And without him, he, he is by far and away our best rebounder, and I know that he might not be super versatile on both ends of the floor, but his ability to grab those rebounds and kind of hold the paint down, at least in that one facet, and help us out there, is, it seems to be very impactful. And those games where he is able to score 20 to 30 points, which happens 
fairly often. That opens everything up for everyone else. So it's still he still has found a way to carve out a niche for himself on this run and gun high three point attempt team. And then yeah, a couple guys behind him. He's, he's yeah. been fucking cleaning up, and he uh, beat Zebo's record. You know, last week in the two games combined, he had like fifty something boards. Uh, that dude's been cleaning the glass. <laughs> I'd like him to see shoot that three, man. Like he pump fakes every time, like every time at the top of the key. And I feel like if he just stepped into that shit, it'd be a, a probably a better shot. But I know that you know it's usually early shot clock, and he always gets anytime we're running down the field uh, court, he always stops at the top of the key and it takes the pass, and usually a dribble handoff to Ja to get the action going. But um, he always pump fakes. It's it's really funny. I think Zach pointed that out, and hey, now I, like, now I notice it. And it's like the weirdest. Like he goes on his tippy toes, and like it's like the pump whoa, fakes. Like yeah, yeah, whoa. yeah. It looks like he's on a roller coaster for a second, and it's doing that dip thing where it like it's a zero gravity. But it's it's a it's just a funny element of his game that I'm not like mad about. Not like Kyle standing in the corner not shooting, but it's just a funny element of JV. But you're right. He's rebounding the shit out of the ball, and something this team is is sorely lacking. Uh, before him, but he he's been great. You really can't ask any more of him uh, other than maybe shoot that shot a little more. Well, and he was shooting it early on in the year. It seems like he kind of lost confidence when a few didn't go go in, and now he just kind of abandoned it completely. I looked to check if those games where he made two or three of them, if we won or lost, like how that affected the outcome of the game. Uh, the answer is we actually lost the majority of the games that he made two, two or three uh, threes in. So wow. you, you would think that that would open up the floor and just kind of create a better, more fluid offense for the rest of the game. Right. And, um, it was, you know, 60-40, probably losses. Anytime you made more than one, one, more than one three. So I was surprised to see that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that means. Uh, that that kind of goes back to my thing is I, I really don't know. Like if someone held a gun to my head and said, like, name, like, the things you're so sure about with this team. You know, it, mine would be like Jaron Jackson's shooting is is seems to be here to stay. Uh, John Morant's finishing around the rim when he can get there. That's another thing I would say is a is a net positive and something that's consistent. But other than that, like who's consistent? Yeah, doing anything in particular. Dylan has the occasional really hot game, but the occasional bad Dylan game. Uh, so that, I'm striving to figure out. But yeah, here we are. We're eight seed, five hundred. The bench, the bench yeah. has been pretty consistent. To be right fair. there, you go. That's another mm. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. So. Since Jaron has been out, the Grizzlies bench has the, <coughs> scored the six most points, uh, averaging nearly 46 per game since he's been out. So you got to think that it means also Brandon Clark's out for the majority of that. He only played four minutes, I believe, the night after Jaron went out. Uh, and that, that bench unit, something I thought that was interesting, is that they are really embodying let it fly. They've got, out of all the bench units, third in three-point attempts. Now, they're shooting only 33%, which is 20th among bench units in that time, but they're not afraid to shoot. Like, those guys, Tyus is putting it up. You heard uh, me? Tyus Stones! You hear yeah, me? Yeah, he might be. He's, like, Jackson's putting it up. Those guys are not scared, and they're really doing what they're – really, they're really bought into what Jenkins has going on. So I think that just – you know, that means that the culture seems to be working and the game plan – and. They've been by far like way better than the starters compared to other bench and starter units. Uh, the starters are 26th in points scored, 26th in three-point attempts over that course. Of this time. is since Jaron's been out. 
Yes. And how many games is that? That is nine games. The Grizzlies have gone four and five. Of course, that includes a four-game loss streak, then a three-game win streak, and then a loss and a win. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of you got to have a lot of optimism about that bench unit, especially when you know Brandon Clark. All that all he does is fortify that unit. Well, and Melton has been starting. Yeah. So, so. yeah, you're de- you're short. You know, a couple guys that have been bench staples all season have now been moved into starter roles. You got John Conch in there, baby. His <laughs> no, his his numbers are actually have been pretty good for, for yeah. like from analytics state. I mean, he's uh, been good from my eye test too. Yeah, his, mm-hmm. his uh off, offensive rating, he leads the guy, leads the team in that time frame of guys with over a hundred minutes. He's got a one fourteen offensive, or the team has a one fourteen offensive rating when he's on the floor. <laughs> I don't think you could have told me that he would play over a hundred minutes minutes this season, and oh, we right? would be, uh, you know, in the hunt for eight seed or leading by three and a half games at this point. Yeah, definitely. And then right and he behind, had ten rebounds mm. <laughs> last yeah, he, night. He had ten rebounds. Yeah, he's he's always engaged. He's always doing something. And not to steal from Melton, I'm not trying to do that. But Conchard's out there and he's busting it. Uh, <laughs> I think it was was it this week? It was. It might have been in Brooklyn when Josh Jackson tried to throw Conchar like eight alley oops. Yeah. You guys see that? They were trying to get their hustle fix in. And they were all such bad passes. Or no, I don't think any of them worked. Maybe one like of them. Throwing them off the rim and shit. It was yeah. it was ugly. Like a Memphis Tiger pass to Precious Achua yeah. in the post. <laughs> <laughs> shit, just say. Uh, so, but speaking of which, um, Josh Jackson, Danthe Melton, as a patron saint of those former sons, Barnburner Slim. You, I, I give you the floor. You know, I, I'm gonna give you three minutes to talk about your boys. Hell, I'll give you five. I don't know if I got that much in me, but I just you did get you did do a great plus minus uh, analysis of of Josh Jackson's small fourth. Yeah, so I mean, I I watched those guys after we acquired them, and I saw that Phoenix fans loved Melton and the limited role he got to play last year. So it made me watch some film and uh, read his draft prospects and stuff. And I mean, he just needed a bigger opportunity, and he's. Finally got it after being injured early in the season in training camp, and he, he hadn't let go. And I love players like that, like take the most of their opportunity, make the most of their opportunity. And then Josh, you know, he underperformed in Phoenix. You can't deny that. But uh, he basketball is like it's not just you can't just grade it on oh he was the number four pick and he's never going to be the number four pick, so he's a bust. He yes, he may not ever live up to that hype, but he still can be a very valuable basketball player. So now it's about focusing in. Okay, what are you good at? What can you be a lead at in the NBA? And how can you help my team by doing those things? And I think that was why you saw Tony Allen uh, join the hustle when Josh Jackson was still there. There, I mean, you ain't seen a picture of Tony Allen at a hustle practice since Josh Jackson's been called up. I don't think that's a coincidence. I think that was a clear mentorship. Uh, type role for Tony with Josh. And maybe it's just because the team realized that they, they have a chance to make the playoffs this year and could potentially bring Josh back. I know Chris Harrington was saying how limited those options are um, because we declined his player option. And I'm not well versed enough in that to know exactly how much we can offer him or if we'd be interested in bringing him back. 
But, um, you know, Tony, I think, has told him to focus on defense. And we've seen him making defensive play after defensive play, whether it's ripping the ball out of someone's hand or doing a great double team and forcing the turnover or just bat getting in the passing lane. And he loves to play in transition. And if he buys in on the defensive end, he's got all the physical tools to be a plus defender and make a strong impact on the game that way. Um, the three-point shooting will come. Like he, I think he was like one of seven or two of eight over these last couple of games, but he's still having a huge impact on the game. And him being willing to take that shot versus someone like Kyle who won't, the defense has to respect it, and it opens up so much more for Tyus to get to the rim, DeAnthony to get to the rim, or Ja um, to get to the rim. So now I'm going to get into these stats from cleaning the glass on my boy Josh Jackson. Lineups with Josh Jackson at small forward for the Memphis Grizzlies are in the 96th percentile of the NBA. He is a plus 11.5. And there's only one net negative lineup out of the eight he's in that he's played more than 15 possessions with. Um, Offensively, as a team, the Grizzlies average 115 points per possession when he's on the court, and we're only giving up 104. Um, so the numbers are ridiculous. Obviously, we had those two 39-point blowouts, so these are could be a bit skewed because of those, but he was a big part of those. I mean, he scored 15 points or more in the last four games, so he's really having the impact. Um, and then with Melton, you look at the numbers with him and Tyus on the court, and they've been playing together basically all season. They are in the 98th percentile of duos in, for the entire season in the NBA. So that just speaks to how good that bench, bench unit has been. Um, and then you add Josh with those two, and the three of them are in the 99th percentile of trios in the NBA. And they played 133 possessions, so not a whole lot, but you know enough sample size that you, you know they're pretty damn good when they play together. And as Zach, you mentioned, they get up and down the floor. That's why they're able to get so many three-point attempts up because they are a fucking flash. Uh, So that's my, you know, little Melton and Josh Jackson appreciation time. I appreciate you giving me that, Chief. Yeah, man. Uh, That was good. And I think that whenever they come in and it's that lineup of Tyus, D-Melt, and Josh Jackson, I, I feel very, very happy when they're in the game. And I don't feel scared that we're going to lose the lead. And in fact, we usually push the lead further if we have one at that point. So honestly, it's been our starting lineup that has performed quite poorly, uh, even in some of these blowouts. You know that we we've seen. We saw, in fact, the the first two games, the Hawks at at Atlanta and at Brooklyn, begin where no team looked like they knew what they were doing. You know, one of eight starts, and you know, like a really a lot of trouble scoring. No one finding their rhythm. And then the bench comes in and, and settles the ship. So it, it's a unique situation and one that I'm not sure we've ever been in, even especially during the core four era, where every backup point guard that came in, except for like uh, Bino, I remember. And even then, you know, he was prone to the occasional like, whoa, bro, you know, like, yeah. but the now it's like they come in and I'm like, oh, hell yeah. Like now, now it's time to make a run, which has got to be uncommon. But <laughs> yeah. also, you know, that the one negative lineup that, that, uh, that Josh is in, I don't think it's due to Josh, and it's worrisome. It's like it's like a lineup that I would have thought would be very good. The one uh, Brandon Clark and Gorgie. Yeah, think, yeah, and- Brandon Clark at the four and Gorgie at five, and and Ja at the point guard, and I think Dante Melton at two or yeah. Dylan at two. But it, it was like that. That was like kind of like a, what I would envision a lineup being. You know, like if if uh, Gorgie, we if we keep Gorgie and kind of like JV don't play JV as much. 
you mm. know, I could see that kind of being the, a, a future lineup. Granted, Jerem would probably be in there. But well, it, and, and here's my thing with Milton. We talked about how the starting lineup has struggled um, with since he's been in it, basically. And maybe yeah. he just needs to be playing with Tyus. <laughs> like, if the, their numbers are that good and him and Jai aren't really clicking, Melton did finally hit some shots uh, in that Hawks game. I think he hit three threes, but and he's got the, a good shot. I mean, the like, Dallas game he gave us nothing. Right? Yeah, and I mean he's not a starting caliber player yet so you can't expect him to produce in that role every single night but uh, i don't know I, i'm between him and kyle uh who like milton he's just not a volume shooter that's not what he is and uh maybe you think about putting josh in there if jaron doesn't get back soon yeah that's what i was gonna ask I, like so if everyone's healthy what's your are you or do you do do you do are you ja dylan josh jaron and jv I like Josh coming off the bench just because he is like that ball of energy along with those other guys. Like I, I really don't want to break up that unit coming off the bench. So I think I'd probably play it safe and keep Kyle in there. What about you, Zach? Yeah. Jo- Josh is fun coming off the bench. He's like that wild card. He's like Charlie day and uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. You know, he doesn't go out there and wreak havoc and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And usually so far it has turned out well for Memphis outside of, you know, the first few games where they were trying to figure it out. Since then, they've played well with him out there. Well, and just to be honest, like, we're not invested in him beyond this year. So it's kind of hard to see what he is in a bigger role. And, I mean, obviously, the the plan is Justice gets back and we can just start him. And then That's problem, true. Solved, problem solved. That's true. Yeah, Justice is theoretically a just way more skilled Josh Jackson. Yeah. You know, like, uh, that can – they. Was knocking down the three at a consistent rate before he got hurt, and can run the floor, guard the other team's best player, handle the ball. Uh, so that's what they're betting on anyway when they made that trade. Also, Iguodala is sucking it up in Miami. <laughs> his his minutes have apparently decreased every game since he started playing, uh, which is not what you want, as the kids say. And then also, they get fifteen million dollars from this year. And again, <laughs> Is is he even really a good mentor either? I mean, he showed his ass to to all of us here, but maybe he's great in the locker room if he wants to be there. I don't know, but he it's not seems like to have young people in uh, Golden State, really. You know, right? All vets. That's true. And uh, you know, pointing out that it really is a goofy fit. I, we didn't care because we were just getting rid of him. But if you think about it, you know, the the Heat don't shoot threes like they they start two guys. Their two best players aren't notably good three-point shooters. And Jimmy's Jim, been bad. Yeah, and he's never been a good three-point shooter. But yeah. he hits he hits big threes, but he's not like a good shooter. Um, so you do have to guard him. But, yeah, I mean, then Bam, too, he, he can hit a three, but he's not known for that. Yeah. So then you, you throw in, you know, Iguodala, who might, you know, as we're finding out, might only be effective in a when he's playing with the two best shooters and maybe the history of, like, basketball. Yeah. Uh, who'd have thought? You know, I think we're going to see a lot of guys leave the Warriors and be total bums. Um, and maybe Draymond eventually. I don't know, but <laughs> uh, yeah, Miami won today. They beat Washington, so they only scored a hundred points. Not a lot to write home about. Yeah. So they beat Wash- Washington. Scored under a hundred points. Washington scored eighty-nine. Yeah. Wow. Damn. That's tough. Phoenix that put up a one forty on a Giannisless Bucks. Then of course we had the Lakers and Clippers Sunday afternoon game. The Lakers won that, so there's some good basketball. OKC held on to beat Boston in Boston. OKC's fucking tough, man. You don't want to play them in the first round, no, no matter who you are. That would suck. What are they now? That they're they're six, right? Uh, let me pull it up. I think so. 
I know they're ahead of Dallas, so I assume they're the six. The uh, OKC's five. They're ahead of Houston. Oh shit! So who's the four? Jazz. So it'd be OKC and Jazz. Uh, Jazz are losing that. We <laughs> don't want uh, that, man. Dude, no. Like they're one hundred percent going to lose that series. Yeah, the Jazz have won five in a row, but you just feel like they're. Oh, I just don't believe in them at all, man. Donovan and Rudy, man, is something about those two. Like yeah, something off between them. Yeah, Ingles have been playing terrible this year. Yeah. Oof. Was your fantasy boy too? Yeah, I, I dropped him. Fantasy I, basketball. I was clear. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hung on to him all year, and then I just had to drop him. I was like, I can't I can't stand for six points a game anymore. Can't have it, man. It's not going to get me to the finals. It's Mike Conley's fault, I tell you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, another uh, Woj uh, release today that the Grizzlies signed Jonte Porter, oh, yeah. who is the little brother of Michael Porter Jr. And so he he was went undrafted, had to do a little bit of digging. I was f- kind of familiar with him, but uh, not super familiar. So he played 17 in, 2017, 2018 at Missouri. He was SEC Sixth Man of the Year. He was on the all-freshman team. He's uh, 6'10", 6'11", good outside shooter. Uh, by all scouting reports, he shot like 38% from three, something like that. The people questioned if he was super in shape or not, but he was a top 50 prospect coming out of high school. I said he wasn't, uh, you know, totally ready physically. I guess that's why he probably wasn't starting at Missouri, but he was projected to be kind of a late lottery pick, but he has had a lot of injuries tore AC MCL and ACL. I believe are the injuries that have been, released about him so he's still rehabbing he didn't get drafted so we picked him up to add some front court depth uh the the way his contract structured is that he's not expected to play this year so we're just paying him whatever's left of we're just paying him and he's on the roster and there is a team option for next year so i guess the plan is to see how he does in his rehab and then hopefully he can join us next year Kind of maybe in that role that Tolliver's playing right now because you assume he won't. He's not someone that you're going to be keeping on the team at 35 years old. Uh, but right now you don't have to pay Porter much and you're just kind of taking a flyer on him, seeing if he does have some glimpses you know, down the line of what people thought that he could be. Uh, similar to his brother who you know, had the back injury, sat out a whole year, and then started playing. And he's been pretty good this year. So uh, I – you know, it's a calculated risk by the Grizzlies. If things go terrible, then they don't have to take his option. So what do you guys think about that? I have literally no opinion on John Tay Porter. Beyond <laughs> beyond what you just said. I mean that that's all I can know. And I I doubt he even plays at all this season. No, yeah, obviously, he, obviously. he won't. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's like a glorified training camp invite. So we bring him in for the rest of this year so we can rehab him, see at actually how he is progressing and then we go into the summer as he you know assumedly gets better and can do on-court work and you take him into camp and you see what you got by all accounts he's a skilled big man that like you said he can knock down the big shot he's not necessarily a rim protector or anything like that or necessarily like super mobile so i don't really know what to expect but that was just the one quick synopsis i read from his draft report but they said he probably like you said would have been a first round pick so in a 
year when we're not going to have a first round pick and I don't mind taking this flyer at all. It's, I mean, it was Jared Utah's spot, you know, no disrespect to him, but yeah. I did, didn't really get an opportunity and doesn't seem like he's going to, you know, shatter any, you know, NBA records or anything. So yeah. it's cool. A low risk move doesn't cost very much as option next year. A uh, number I found was a million and a half. So barely, barely hits you at all in the pocketbook. Crazy that you can get that much money for, if you think about it. He's on the books for like 200K the rest of this season, and he will, literally won't be playing. But Yeah, I mean, it's cheaper than a first-round pick, so. Yeah, yeah. very true. Um, I, wonder, I have a little nugget on mm. Dylan Brooks. Uh-oh, nugget us. Um, so, right now he has 999 points this season. So with his next point, he'll score a thousand points for the first time in his career, his three-year career. In his rookie year, if you'll remember, he played every game, so he played eighty-two games. He only scored eight hundred and ninety-eight points, so he was yeah, a little over a hundred points shy of this mark. And he'll get, assuming he does score in the next game on uh, Tuesday against the Magic, then he'll get his thousandth point in his 65th appearance this season on how many so, shots what's the shot difference i wonder i don't know not to actually. not to poop. i, I wouldn't i'm not trying to poop on him but i just wondered if you'd actually i'd kind of be curious the uh he's taken about five more threes per game uh, he his minutes per game are pretty close to the same but yeah his shot attempts are definitely way up also find you someone that talks about you and likes you as much as John Hollinger likes Dylan Brooks. Hollinger <laughs> loves Brooks? He loves Dylan Brooks. Because he drafted been, him. I've I've heard him mention on multiple podcasts, and then he tweeted when he guarded LeBron well the other day. He was talking back and forth with Harrington about him. Yeah, he's proud of that pick, definitely. I mean, yeah. that's a good pick. I think that was, was a good diamond job. in the rough, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's a second round pick. Yeah, like you, 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 you love that. Uh, but I, I, I'm on to you, John. I, I see that. But good uh, job, thank you. I, I enjoy having Hollinger back in the media. He he's got good takes, and he's always got some little quirky, funny things. Mm. Uh, I, Dylan oh, oh, on the season is a is a eleven point one per, which is not not super efficient. However, he, he has a one one game win share. Uh, so that's that's great, you know. But that's that's uncommon for a player so young in terms of his career to be legitimately contributing to winning at the degree that he does. So, you know, he doesn't do it efficiently always as, as we can all attest, but he, you, you can't lie that he buys into the system fully and he plays really hard. Uh, so I, I always respect him when he's on the floor with the occasional lapse of judgment uh, that he has. Yeah. I mean, what, that game last night against Atlanta, he was four of 15, but he was all over the place defensively mm-hmm. wreaking havoc. So um, it's nice to have a guy who can score, but still bring that same type of intensity defensively, even when the shots aren't falling. And uh, it seems like Kyle was a little better. Uh, you know, maybe it's just one of those games where shots were falling, but it seems like he's ever since you went on your rant about him not shooting the corner three, seems like he's shot it a little bit more. <laughs> still, mm-hmm. he still does that pump fake and slow dribble in, but he has, he has, he has since that rant, no doubt, you know, coach Jenkins probably went on the same rant to him uh, somewhere, you know, either in the locker room or 
in a team meeting or, or somewhere that probably a little meaner than I even said it, uh, or at least however Kyle likes to receive things like that, and he has been shooting it, you could tell there's not that extra thought. Uh, and he, you know, to his credit, he can knock it down sometimes, you know, and that's the best shot. That's the best shot. Like, even if you're not a, a great three point shooter historically, if you're wide open, in the shortest, <laughs> the at five, you and, shoot. yeah, and the shortest in the shortest part of the court too. Like while you might shoot twenty five percent, you might shoot forty percent from in that scenario, and that's great. So I, I yeah, he's he has played better, and he's also someone pointed out. I, I, I don't remember if it was a tweet or a Pete Brevin broadcast thing, but in my brain, I'm remembering that someone pointed out that he's cutting a lot better. That if he if he's yeah. in a situations where he's not just standing in the corner because if he's going to just stand in the corner he has to shoot that ball and he clearly doesn't like doing that so if you're not going to do that then you need to you know make cuts or something like um, when Jaw drives in uh, granted that he's kind of cut their defenders usually cutting off the cutting angle and that's the entire purpose of being out there is to face the floor but you know, he, he seemingly played a little better I still don't really understand what he's going to do for this team in the long run. Yeah, because he, I think he's best, as I said before, coming off the bench as your backup point guard and leading that second unit. But now we have Tyus, you know, who's like fantastic. Tyus Stones, baby, you hear me? He had uh, he had a Josh Jackson shout out as well recently. Yeah. I didn't I didn't J- see. JV. Oh, did you get last, JV last, last night? night. Oh, okay, good. So, uh, yeah, we still lead the league in assists, which kind of surprised me uh, with our offensive struggles. We were like right there with uh, I think it's Phoenix and. New Orleans are the other teams that have more than 27 per game. Really? Uh, that's surprising. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's not, doesn't seem great. <laughs> yeah. You don't, uh, not the company you want to be around necessarily. And we're eighth in the league in field goal percentage, which is pretty good. We're seventh in pace. So you think we're getting up and down, getting a lot of shots up, eighth in pace. I think we we're like 16th in turnovers, somewhere like that. We're 16th in defensive points per possession. So just below average. Uh, but we're 10th in defensive effective field goal percentage. So that's good, man. I think our def- the defense is going to be our calling card, especially with Jaron. Uh, we just got to figure out how to mask JV as much as possible. Mm. Basically, what the Bucks do is what we do. Like it, The Bucks will let you beat them from the mid-range, and we will let you beat us from the mid-range. So Chris Paul, you know, guys who can get right there and knock down that two-pointer all night, they're going to give us trouble. Luca, presumably. Yeah, you, you'd like to see though a little bit of adjustment. You know, I understand yeah. the. There's no reason when. Well, when and now we have the ability, like the, the players, you know, the personnel to, should, should be able to avoid that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no reason when you know a guy's coming in like Kawhi or Chris Paul who live in the mid range now mm-hmm. and have figured out that that's actually like they shoot sixty percent from there because. No one's guarding it. Like you, you got to make a little adjustment, or else you're just going to lose that game for no reason, just because you were so stubborn. I, you know, and it's not like they're going to forget how to play their normal defensive scheme just because that one game they have someone <laughs> right. come out and guard right. the 17 foot. But I, I don't know. I, I really no complaints about this year. I mean, we very much exceeded expectations. So uh, John ja, ja knocked down a bunch of threes in the Atlanta game too. Uh, notice that he was like four or four from three. Yeah. Uh, so they were sagging off of him, and he was making him pay. His uh, if he get a little more consistent, man, he'll be unstoppable. Like, yeah. obviously, if everyone could do what he does and shoot, then you're Steph Curry, right? And you're unstoppable. But uh, you know that 
I, I can see it happening is what I'm saying. He's only 20 years old and it's not like he just like is a can't shoot at all, you know, like a who's like a notably Michael Kidd Gilchrist or like a, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Like yeah. it was like he went through like a week and a half where he kind of thought that though. He was like, yeah, I can't shoot. <laughs> and then he just started yeah. shooting again. Not it's weird play. because he's an extremely confident player. But yeah, yeah. like he, I think he's worried about, you know, breaking four threes and being the reason for a loss. I don't know. I, I mean, of course, like, why would you not worry about that? But it seems like shooting's all about confidence in the league. So that's Dylan. Irrational yeah. confidence guy. Gotta <laughs> have him. Yeah. Any Ooh. other thoughts? We've been DN up the last five games. Our defensive rating is a 95.6. Wow. <laughs> Shit, man. And we've been wow. shooting 38% from three as a team. So that's a pretty good combination. If we keep doing that, we'll probably keep winning. And they're good shots, too. It's not like we're hitting these wild, you know, like Dylan's the only guy that's going to, like, take a ridiculous ass, like, stop the ball, shoot a three. Uh, but otherwise, they're good shots. It makes sense. High percentage. What we got this week? We got a uh, Magic on Tuesday. Well, take us to the rest of the week, Zach. Do you have it pulled up? We got a Magic on Tuesday at home. Uh, I think we all are hoping for a win on that one, right? Yes. Uh, and they they did just beat the hell out of Houston today, and they got they got some players, but you'd like to think at home we just come out with more force and impose our will. Mm. Thursday we go to Portland. We start a three game road trip. Um, what what what'd you mark that one? That's the toss up. You're not sure. So Thursday, I marked it as a loss. Okay, so that's at yeah. Portland. Zach, how you feeling about at Portland? They got Dame back. I was just bragging about how we have their number, but we've beat them twice this year already, so it's it's hard to beat anyone three times in a row, especially one on the road. So that that feels like could be an L. I think we would win that one. Uh, then we got a day off for traveling to Utah. We play the Jazz on Saturday in Salt Lake City. Notoriously tough place to play. What you got, Chief? I had a loss on this one. And by the way, I, I, I had this list last week, and I'm 3-0 and thus far. Um, so we'll see if I keep going, you know? Yeah. Zach, how you feeling about the trip to Salt Lake? Uh, I feel good about that one. I think Grizzlies get a W there. Oh, okay. And then I think uh, we have Jaron back, and he shoots a million threes and makes most of them. Yeah, I have a loss there. Uh, I basically my my approach was not super ridiculous. I just picked us to lose against good teams and picked us to win against bad teams. Uh, and, and I figured that well, at some point, right, yeah, and I figured at some point we might beat a good team and then drop one to it. You know, inevitably. And my ultimate record from them was ten and eleven, which is exactly what we needed to win to get into the playoffs. If we do what, what I've predicted. But they, lo- they lost us, to the Jazz. So your prediction gets us to what? Forty-one wins. I think it was forty. I think 40, from from okay. when I made this, or maybe thirty-nine actually. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then uh, so we closed the week Saturday with the Jazz, uh, and then on Monday we're still traveling. We're in San Antonio, and then we come home Tuesday for a second night of a back-to-back against OKC. So really, I, I think two of the three on the road, Portland and San Antonio, that's teams who are coming for us. So those are huge games. And really, what we we should be in a position to win those games within the last five minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I have us beating the Spurs, but um... yeah, we don't. Unfortunately, Memphis plays like you mentioned. Dallas is notoriously challenging for us. San Antonio is a very tough place for Memphis to play as well. 
they're not going to be happy after Ja uh, helped upset them early in the season on their home court. So they're going to be, I'm sure they're going to be coming for us. Uh, and we had that big game at home against them that put us into the eighth seed and kind of got all this momentum started. So I'd have to think that they're not going to be super happy and they're going to they're going to show out that game. Yeah, so so this week the three games are Orlando at Portland and at Utah. So you yeah. you, you hope for two and one, I think. Yeah, you got to be one and one and two though. You got to beat Orlando, and if you lose yeah. that game, then you got to beat one of the one of those road teams. But you got to take care of business at home, as we've seen this team do. Um, you don't want to put yourself behind the eight ball like we saw at the beginning of that losing streak, you know, uh, by losing to the Kings. So Orlando, big big game, uh, and and Zach and I will be in the building, I believe. We will. Also, a big week in college basketball. You need to make sure to subscribe to the Barn Burner Podcast Network for the theater and college hoops basketball. Theater and college hoops, hoops basketball. Come on, man. Theater and college hoops podcast uh, from our guys over there and the Titch crew. Uh, they're they're awesome. Make sure you check them out. They've been waiting all year for this to bring you guys coverage of the conference tournaments. And then we have Selection Sunday coming up, so it's Christmas time for those guys. Uh, and so you need to check them out on the Barnburner Podcast Network. For sure. Shout out, Titch. All right, well, thanks for listening to another episode of the Backdoor Cut Show. Until next time, go Grizz. Peace. Peace. Pull up, pull up, pull up in that automatic cook up. Be rich, pull up in that rooster till we wake up, wake up, put up. Got all these pounds. I work out, I'm doing cool. Just Bobby Banders in the building. Pop that, pop that, throw a put up in the air. One time for an like me with a squad like this. With a team so strong and flow so cold. Ain't nothing but some bad, bad in my click. What's up, Eastside? What's up, Eastside? We in it, we in it. They think they seeing me.